Okay, go fast life fam. We're back again. We've got a show tonight that I think should be good. Some good information, just normal cast like always. But, you know, I, I guess to introduce myself, I'm Matt. Like always, we've got Devin Yeehaws with us. What's up, Devin? Hey, what's up? How you doing? Good, man. Uh, nice to be back. I know uh, with my schedule and stuff, we've had to take a little time off, but we're back. So I'm, I, I'm happy tonight. I think, uh, you know, we've got a good guest on, uh, you know, a buddy that uh, I've had for a while, a uh, local shop owner. You know, I, I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, Eric Schmidt, Schmidt Auto Care. What's up, Eric? What's up, man? How are you? Good, man. Um, you know, just out here playing around this California sunshine tonight. Uh, you know, could could be worse. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, um, happy to have you on. Uh, appreciate you giving us some time. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me, man. You know, uh I would assume there's a decent amount of people that are going to listen that at least know of your shop, whether they know of you or not. Uh, you know, can you uh, kind of give us a little rundown of who you are, you know, what you do? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm a master ASE tech, uh, GM world class as well, uh, as well as a level four uh, master with Chrysler. Um That'll tell you how long it's been. I've been with Chrysler. Um, <laughs> I don't even think they rate us like that anymore. But uh, um, I started a shop in 2009 down in uh, Franklin. Was there for about three years. Moved into Springboro. And uh, we've just had consistent growth. And, and uh, has some great, great customers. I'm not really up from this area. I'm from the Mason area, Cincinnati area. So... Um, I'm sure a lot of people down there would know me. Um, not, not so sure too many people up here would know me, but, uh, yeah, my shop is marketed pretty well. I would imagine most people know who we are. Um, but yeah, so we are, uh, just basically an all makes all model shop. Uh, we do everything from oil changes to engine replacement, heavy diagnostics, electrical, uh, and everything in between. Now, one of the little things that I guess got us to be friends would be the motorcycle world and i know you have some of your bikes in there that you do stuff on the side do you do any motorcycle repair or anything like that still i don't man i uh the shop has grown far beyond what i expected it to do um Honestly, at times, it's probably gotten a little out of hand. But, uh, yeah, we had a motorcycle shop in town, Apex Cycle. Um, we just, me and my partner, my best friend, kind of walked off from that. And uh, just, he actually went to be <laughs> a commercial electrician. And then I just focused on my business. Um, so, I'm still into bikes, still love them. But, uh, yeah, don't work on them anymore. Yeah, you know, I, I know you... Obviously, I said it. I see your stuff. I, you know, I've been in there quite a few times. I mean, you worked on my vehicles, uh, you know, and and that was one thing I guess I never really asked. I didn't pay that much attention. Is normally your bikes are taken up the lift, but uh, you never know. You know, I figured if that was something that you still offered, you know, I'd 
right. people know. Yeah, occasionally uh, I do a tire change for a local guy or something, but uh, it just every time I I try to to help somebody and come in, it just always seems like uh, I get swallowed up by my business and ends up taking a week for me to get a set of tires on somebody. So just for the sake of everybody's sanity, I just don't uh, don't do too much of it anymore. Oh, I appreciate that for sure. Um, you know, I, I guess obviously you do it all, you know, like you said. Um, is there anything that you would say that is more of a specialty for your shop? Uh, I mean, we I don't have per se a specialty. Um, you know, I guess when I first started, it probably would have been Jeeps. But, I mean, gosh, I've been away from dealers for 12 years now. And, you know, dealers aren't necessarily the greatest place to get your experience from. But they uh, they do have great factory training. So, you know, Jeep Jeep and Chrysler people tend to, tend to stick with those as far as those technicians go. Um, so, yeah. no, we have a lot much of technical for that stuff, right? Do, say that again. You still have a lot of special tools and everything as well, don't you? I mean, as far yeah. as some of the manufacturers. Yeah, but see, you know, the thing is with cars is they move like computers. Eventually, they just become obsolete, and it happens faster and faster as we go on with time. Yeah, I know some of your background. I mean, like you said, you worked in the dealership. What was the, like, the exotic shop that you worked for? Or that experience. I mean, that was one of the things that always fascinated me. You know, uh, what was that? So it was just a little shop, a little hole in the wall. Um, helped the guy out. Uh, worked there for probably. I didn't work there real long, man. Like ten months or something. Um, you know, it was cool working on the stuff, and definitely you get the experience of it. And uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely one of those guys that will pick up on stuff like that quite quickly. But uh, it just it was a poorly managed shop, <laughs> so, so sometimes money wasn't where it needed to be at times. And uh, I'm not really going to mention what shop it is. I don't even think they're around anymore. But uh, um, yeah, it just it was a cool place, but management just wasn't there. You know, we do have some local people with supercars and exotics and things like that. Do you, do you have the ability to work on them as well? You know, I don't have a ton of ability. I mean, I can do simple maintenance things, but, you know, as it, we run a bit of a production shop. So, you know, we, right. we tend to stick to general repair of production vehicles. You're to and from, you're your uh, beater cars, you know, your the stuff you drive to work every day. Um, and I like that a lot better. You know, it's uh, you're helping people because they got to get to and from work. And, and uh, you know, I, I enjoy the help portion of it. Um, I enjoy watching somebody that has a high stress level that we can get them in, take, can them, take care of them and, and help alleviate some of that stress of how am I going to get to work and so forth. Yeah, I mean, it seems, you know, from what I see, almost any time I'm in the shop, you guys have something posted where you're doing something to help the local community out, or, you know, you're, you're very active in the local community as well. It's not just the shop. You know, you do, like you said, you, you tend to try to help a lot of people, which I like. Uh, 
you know, Devin, you got anything here? You, we've been kind of talking without you. Oh, no, y'all are fine. <laughs> I, was actually, well, I was actually getting prepared for later, later on, because I know it's coming. Yeah. Um, you know, one of, one of those things that we talked about um, in the pre-show, you know, I'm curious, with uh, uh, electric vehicles coming to be uh, more common, and they're pushing towards that, uh, you know what's your kind of game plan? I mean, I, I'm I'm I don't know maintenance wise if there's really a lot that I mean people have to do, but I mean I'm sure there's got to be some other special trainings and and things that uh, that you need to work on. Or and I mean, what do they even offer really as far as training for you? So it's it's really a gray area in our field right now. Um, I actually have a lot to say about electric vehicles. Um, Personally, if you've never rode an electric vehicle, you need to go treat yourself to one. They're very cool. Um, you know, I have a special love for internal combustion engines. I've always been a gearhead. I've always been a performance guy. I love diesels. I have had madly powerful diesels. I've had madly powerful cars. But there's there's just something about that torque output of those electric vehicles. And, you know, we're, you know, we've got say like Devin ZL1, you know, that thing takes a second to build up and, and build the boost and get into its torque range. And, you know, the, each car has its different torque band of where, where you get peak torque and horsepower. And that's the interesting thing with electric motors is an electric motors turning one RPM, it's making 600 foot pounds of torque. And if it's spinning 10,000 RPM, it's making 600 foot pounds of torque. It doesn't change. Um, which is what makes those cars so quick. Um, but they're very proprietary right now. Teslas, for instance, uh, I have a lot of people that ask us in the area if we can service them. Um, they've kind of cornered the market up on them. Uh, so we've been going through uh, a second and third round of what we call the Right to Repair Act. Um, it's something that we had in the 80s, and I believe it may have went through in the 70s. But basically... What this act is, in layman's terms, is it takes the um, proprietary stuff far as uh, global emissions and so forth, and it allows uh, independent shops access to that information. It allows us access to the, the data ports to get the information out of the cars. Um, so electric cars kind of presented an interesting problem uh, in the independent repair facility. Well, a couple of them, actually. But the first one is uh, I, I can't do anything. If I had a Tesla come in and I found a bad part, I can't get it from Tesla. They won't sell it to me. Um, and they can actually red flag your warranty for that. So kind of crazy, you know. I mean, they, they basically are saying you come back here, you, you don't get warranty on your car, and we're not going to work on it, um, which I've seen them do. So... As uh, far as our shop, we are gearing up for EV. Um, I am wanting to be one of the first shops in the area that's able to work and service on them uh, when they do become available. Um, we do know it's coming. Uh, I know we've had some uh, pretty shocking announcements from General Motors and Ford, and and uh, that's a big step, man. Um, you know, it's like, you know, we look at it and I go, gosh, you know, what am I going to do with my shop? And how am I going to continue making money at the rate, you know, that we can keep our doors open uh, and keep keep my employees and their families fed 
but on a car that may require two services every 10 years. So, you know, it's, it's difficult and we really don't know the answer to that yet, um, which is why business owners that have successful shops are kind of interesting people because they're very good at making decisions in stress situations and very quickly. Um, in fact, I, I was reading something the other day that uh, ADH people tend to be more uh, impulsive about things. That's something we know about ADHD. And funny and oddly enough, ADHD uh, generates kind of better shop or business owners in general because they can make those impulsive decisions quickly where uh, others may not be able to do such a thing. So, but you know, it's a big change for shops, but the thing that a lot of people I don't think are looking at, here's the big picture. I mean, this is the biggest change in automotive or transportation that we've seen in hundred over 120 years. Um, we're getting rid of the internal combustion engine. I, I just like, it's crazy. Like it's, it's really hard to wrap your brain around. Um, you know, so it's oh, just, we're changing the face of the world right now. Well, and I, I think, no, I, I Sorry. Um, I think that, you know, even though it is kind of scary as, as far as like long-term thinking about the fact that people are going to be going to these electric vehicles. Um, but then I see it, you know, on both sides, cause I'm always trying to be a positive person and yeah, a lot of the newer vehicles will be electric, of course, but I think there's still going to be a huge market of people that then in that case are going to want to hold on to their, you know, their internal combustion engines and cars are going to be getting older and older um, and obviously still require service and probably honestly be breaking down a little bit more for those people that are either cannot afford the electric vehicles or are just being stubborn, you know, so. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's going to take a long time. I mean, if you look at, a, say, an automotive manufacturer that would go out of business, I mean, the support franchises have to stay in business for 10 years after ceasing the business. Um, because we know those, those things aren't going anywhere quickly. But what's interesting and what I'm hearing is our wonderful politicians that we have nowadays um, are talking about basically exiling gas. So even if you have that internal combustion engine, I guess you better become a chemist pretty quick too. <laughs> you know, well, so, and, and and who knows if that's going to happen? You know, that's a crazy thought that we just don't have gasoline anymore or diesel. Like that's just that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I we've had this thought before. I mean, with especially big trucks. You know, I drive a semi truck. Mm -hmm. Um, the to the range, you know, currently the the ones that they're talking about releasing, I don't know what's really out there, but they are definitely a local truck. Right. You know, the, the infrastructure and everything that would need to come into play to be able to support somebody like myself if I was driving in that kind of world, I, I just don't see how it happened. But, I mean, as a car hauler, I mean, I just delivered a uh, Audi electric vehicle um the e-tron is what it's called we have uh, we had one of those at the shop the other day 
and and that was one of the things that I was wondering. I mean, I, I knew Tesla was, you know, kind of like how you said, uh, you know, you've got to bring it to us. Um, are the other manufacturers like GM and Ford, I mean, because, you know, the Mach-E is going to be out there. Um, how are they treating the electric vehicles? I mean, are, are you going to be able to work on them or are they going to be the same way as Tesla? You know, it. I think it, that little situation proposes something interesting to the executives of these companies, and that's who's going to be the first person to let other people work on these EVs. Because at that point, you know, when I, so for instance, you know, I got a big, I have a large piece of property out in Waynesville by the lake, and it requires commercial equipment to take care of it. Um, so we, I looked at uh, a zero turn called an Altos. It's a tracked zero turn. My property is pretty flat and it stays pretty wet this time of year. So obviously a zero turn with a tracked system on it would be much better than wheeled. Uh, but at the time I was looking at them, there was like maybe 20 dealers across the United States. I had to drive all the way to Illinois to get service. And I'm like, that's just not worth it. So if you offer a car that can be serviced by outside shops, which is going to have to happen, there are not enough dealers or not enough dealer technicians to, to take care of all of that. Um, so it's going to have to happen. There's just no way around it. But, uh, I think that on the consumer end of things, when we're looking, we look at a Tesla, we look at, say, a Volt, because we all know what those are, and then the Mach-E, and say Chevrolet allows service on the Volt, that's going to be more appealing to your market, um, because they have more options for repair. So that is kind of something that I, I see happening, uh, and probably in the next couple of years. Yeah, because I mean, I from what we've heard, uh, obviously GM, you know, kind of putting the drop dead date on when they're wanting to go full E, which you know we yep. don't know if that's exactly guaranteed. I mean, they may run into some hurdles, but you know, it, it would be a way to to help to where Tesla couldn't corner the market. Um, and it, like you said, it'll be a lot better for the consumer, you know, to be able to obviously take their car to a to a any other mechanic um and then it'll put more pressure on tesla too because it's like okay well a lot of people are buying these because they can get them serviced somewhere else uh, sure know, so then it, it it makes tesla have to decide what they're gonna do which i mean they'll probably stick to their guns that'll be their market but still you know it it would definitely be a benefit for another automaker to uh, allow that for sure i think that I think they're going to do it in 10 years, man. Do you? I do. I do. These people have so much money and so much technology and so much stuff cornered up that we don't know about. It's just, they're really, when you step back, it's really, I mean, as a business owner, it's a marvel of these companies. I mean, GM, Volkswagen are two, some of the two biggest manufacturers of anything in the entire world. Volkswagen is the largest manufacturer in the entire world. Um, it's wild, you know? I mean, just to think about, like, when Delphi was up here in Dayton, um, when that when they shut that down, and obviously that's been many, many years ago, but we lost 219,000 jobs out here because yeah. of that, you know? So I don't think people... I think people know numbers, but I don't think that they just understand the, the, the size, the absolute size of these things, man. They're just massive conglomerates that really can control whatever they want to control. 
Yeah, I mean, because uh, like my grandfather and my grandmother, a lot of my uncles uh, worked at GM and obviously, you know, all, everybody lost their job, but how it's really crippled the economy around here in Dayton and so many businesses went under, um, even just like, you know, restaurants and, and all types of stuff. I mean, all these big houses in like these suburban areas were going up for sale because uh, these people were making stupid money and then um so it helped hurt the housing market and then people started yep. to move away and like mm -hmm. the just the old economic impact of stuff like that is a, something i think a lot of people don't really think about um but it was funny i remember it's probably five or six years ago i kind of called it i knew we were going to kind of go to electric vehicles i was at a camaro show and i was like i bet you they're going to do uh, electric Camaro and everybody was like oh no they'll never do that they'll never do that <laughs> they'll never do that and I'm like watch it's coming and we may get to the point where all vehicles are all electric they're like well you know they'll keep the Corvette and they'll keep the Camaro you nah. know internal combustion and then in like two or three years after they came out with the Copo well they debuted the um, whatever for the Copo Camaro and they had mm -hmm. it and I said, yep, here we go. And then probably about a year or two after that was when they, you know, made the announcement because uh, that was a couple years ago. Right. But Well, I mean, Cadillac in, in, in history, and, and obviously you're a big GM guy, as I am too. Um, I have a little different outlook on cars, though. I think they're all junk. I just prefer General Motors cars over all of them. But <laughs> um, they... Uh, so Cadillac, they're doing interesting things with Cadillac right now, too. Uh, so Cadillac and Corvette typically get all of the firsthand technology. When GM's world-famous stability control came out, the Corvette had it first, the C5. And then, uh, you know, we, we saw it come over into the Cadillac stuff. And then it started going into their high-line Chevys and GMCs. And then you start seeing it show up in the lower line. And that's kind of how they trickle it down uh, as, the, as the technology gets a little cheaper for cars um and they do amazing things man i mean that is one of my favorite things to work on in cars is the electrical systems and the, the and i love diagnostic and i love wiring and it's just amazing oh, how great. fast we, <laughs> i'll be bringing we, you a car next and, week and then. people think yeah people think <laughs> i'm crazy when i say it but i love it but i'm good at it and uh you know i'm a master diagnostic technician i'm not just a master technician you know a diagnostic tech is those guys are far and few between these days uh they're hard to find because i'm looking for one right now but uh um you know it's it's when you understand it it's very cool and uh so for instance i have a 13 lml duramax truck they fire the injector seven times per event they have a pre a power and a post injection events so you can imagine an injector firing off seven times per one combustion event at 3,500 RPM. That's so fast, and it's happening so quickly. Um, you know, you got a piston that can move at 1,500 foot per second. So, you know, tooth math on that, it's just, it's, the numbers are just crazy. Um, but, no, you know, yeah. You all right? Yeah, yeah, I was just saying, you know, it's milliseconds. 
Oh, it's uh, millions. Yes. I mean, they, they yeah. measured uh, airbag communication in 600 millionths of a second. We actually, that's why you're seeing more and more oscilloscopes in the shop to capture cam and crank stuff. And, and we can look at things electronically now as opposed to uh, having to take it apart and look at the timing chains and, and lining everything up and making sure it's in time. I can run an oscilloscope and tell you if it's out of time. I can tell you what cam's out of time. I can tell you how many degrees it's out of time. Um, it's pretty cool stuff. But so uh, getting back to it, Cadillac, though, is trying to become or GM is trying to place Cadillac in an exclusive uh, position such as like you would see a Maserati or a Jaguar. So there are limited dealerships in the United States, which creates demand for the vehicle. Uh, and that's kind of their what they're trying to do. Uh, but they're also the way they're doing that right now is uh, they have announced to all their dealer principals that, hey, at this date, we're going 100% electric with Cadillac. Well, the problem that presents with a dealer principal is, and a lot of people don't realize, well, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but dealers are not manufacturers. There are no manufacturer-owned dealerships. They're all franchises um, that are owned individually. Uh, there are like publicly traded companies, acquisition companies in the last 10 years that started sucking everybody up. And that's kind of why our dealer experiences have fell off so badly. But uh, so they basically went to all the dealer principals and said, well, you know, to, to get your shop electric ready, you're going to need a quarter million dollars. So you need $250,000. That'll get you your chargers, your special tools and all the equipment to work on this. Um and in a dealership, if I was owning a dealership and I said, well, I don't want that special tool, you best bet it's going to show up with an invoice. <laughs> so you don't have a choice with it. Um, and, and they will bill you for it. So basically what they're doing with the dealer principal is saying, well, if you don't want to invest that kind of money in, in your business, then um, we can let you out of the dealer principal. And that's giving them an option to get out, which also helps GM and their quest to become... Um, you know, uh, uh, a little bit of a rarer car or a harder dealer to find. Um, so you're going to see a lot less Cadillac dealerships as we get closer and closer to these electric vehicles too. So it's kind of interesting what they're doing with all this marketing stuff and how they're making moves in their companies right now. Yeah, I never really thought about that. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not surprised with the number, y you know, the, the 250,000, like, that doesn't really surprise me with no. everything, but, uh, but I'm, you know, I know from working in the dealership, kind of like what you said, being around it, they don't care. You know, it's like, well, do you want to be a GM dealer? Well, you've got to do this. <laughs> exactly. And that's, yeah. You know, and I mean, if your dealership makes millions of dollars, I mean, are you going to go, oh, well, okay. You know, it's going to be tough, I know, for some of the smaller dealers, like you said. You know, it's going to thin the herd, I'm sure, because you get some of these areas where there might be a Cadillac dealer out in the middle of nowhere because it's been there for 70 years, mm -hmm. whatever, you know. But it might not be there very much longer because they just don't have that that money coming in right. to justify it. They might go, ah, you know, I've been a dealer here for 30 years. I'm good. Yeah, you and, and you're going to see that dynamic, and you're going to see the dynamic of people that just straight up don't like electric cars, and they're going to yep. pull for that reason. Um, I think electric cars are super cool. I'm excited for the future. I'm sad that the combustion stuff's going away, but I'm excited for the future for sure. 
Um, you know, and who knows where I'll be with my shop at that point. You know, I mean, I'm in my forties at this point. So I'm, I'm now thinking about how much longer do I need to work? How much money do I need to make before I can retire? Um, so, you know, who knows how much I'll mess with that stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, only time will tell what's going to happen here. Yeah, um, you know, I would like to see maybe a, a more of the performance cars, maybe just going to hybrid, you know, where, because, you know, they, then you get the option where you can have, you know, like the Corvette, let they do it, or some of the other ones where it can be, you know, combustion rear, rear electric front. So if you want to just have rear wheel drive or have all wheel drive, so you know, I think that would be pretty awesome. Right. Uh, and a lot of manufacturers you, do that already. The uh, RX 430Hs, uh, they're electric rear drive on them. Um, and then they run the motor on the front or off the stator in the trans. Uh, yeah, they're, they're already doing that stuff. Um, now, in a performance car, you know, I mean, there's a handful of them out there. Most of them are, you know, supercars of some sort. But, uh, right. yeah, I mean, it's there. The technology's there. Uh, I believe it's Tesla's playing with graphene batteries for the last couple years. Um, the, you know, the oddity to it, to me, is, is, you know, we're always trying to save ourselves from ourselves. And, you know, we think we need to save ourselves by going full electric and it's kind of like going e85 when they had that made that big flip over to flex fuel vehicles you know obviously us performance guys know the benefit of like e95 and so forth um which is which is really great and it helped our performance industry out quite a bit when that stuff came around and got more readily available but the 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 thing of it is is if you've ever run an alcohol car you know i've had i had a drag car that i switched from um, you know, running gas to Snoko Alki, and they consume a considerable amount more fuel. I think I can't remember, like twenty percent or something like that. So, even though the fuel's cheaper, your offset is you're consuming more of it. Um, and it's the same thing with electric cars. You know, we're producing those electric cars, but they're majority of composites, right? So that's dangerous to the earth. We're using lithium ion or graphene, which is damaging to the earth. Uh, and then we're creating a carbon footprint by pumping electric through power lines, which the demand's going to increase. I don't even want to know the number to that when that goes through. Um, but they're even saying that our, our power grids are too small. And, you know, but this is this is a big change. And you guys have to remember this. You know, it's the same thing. If you own a company and you make a large change in your company, you're going to get pushback on it. And you're going to get people that are worried. You're going to get people that are... Uh, not so sure of everything. So, you know, again, time will tell, but there are a lot of avenues we're not looking at right now with this stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, well, one of the other big things that we're talking about that with change and things that are going on, I mean, to kind of switch topics a little bit, is with, like, some of the EPA crackdown, which is, I think, kind of, maybe forcing that change as well. I, I don't know if that's why they're coming in now again, you know, because they, they tried um, to crack that. Well, they did really crack down on diesel stuff pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a few years ago, they, they really came in and tried to do it, and they got the pushback and seemed to relax a little bit. But now they're coming back in again. Uh, yeah. I mean, what do, what do you know on that? Do you think that's 
maybe why that like the EPA is coming in and and trying well, to you know come after this performance stuff or what? I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna make a lot of people salty with this one, man. Um, we all know we need to clean ourselves up, man. I mean, we've come a long ways. Heck, I see cars that come in Ford specifically; they have a great emission system on them. Uh, the, the inside of the tailpipes are clean. You know, uh, over the summertime, I had a, uh, I bought a brand new uh, 19 L5P Duramax. Uh, rest in peace, Mr. L5P. But uh, <laughs> it, uh, it got totaled in July. But, you know, I left the emission stuff on. It's a 1,000-foot-pound truck. You don't need to turn it up. Like, I pulled a 22,000-pound camper with mine, and, uh, you know, we... We raced out of it and did other stuff out of it and rode out of it, and and we took it all over the place. But when you looked at the tailpipe, the tailpipe was always perfectly clean. You you rarely would even get a brown haze on your finger wiping it inside. Now, I have a 2013 LML that's deleted now, and, you know, the tailpipe's black as coal. I mean, we know that's not good. As much as we love vehicles, we know that's not good. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, we created this monster ourselves and that's where I'm probably going to make people salty, man. I mean, I, I'm just as much guilty for it. I mean, I had, had a big giant power Duramax at one time and, and, you know, when you make big power with those things, they, they smoke until the turbos light off in them. And, you know, my tunes were pretty darn clean on it, but still, I mean, you still haze out a, a road if you wanted. And the problem lies within is I always tried to get my turbos to light off as quickly as possible or I was not around people. Um, I was cognitive not to allow the general public to see it bellowing smoke out of it. The problem is we get all these young kids for some reason. They And, and if you know the answer to this, how these guys are affording these seventy and $80,000 trucks when I'm 40-some years old and, and we look at them and go, well, I don't know if I want to spend that kind of money on it. But, uh, you know, they, they go out and they take these brand-new trucks or these couple-year-old trucks and they tune them and delete them. And the stuff's very easy to get or it was at one time. Um and they run around rolling coal, right? And got their shit kickers and their cowboy hats on. And uh, they're going to roll some coal around town. Well, it pisses people off. Right. And right. you've pissed off enough people at this point. So that's why they've kind of cracked down on the diesel community specifically. But it's rolling over to the gas side of things. And I really think when they're done with these these guys in the diesel community, they're going to come after the gas guys. Um you know, now I have quite a, a bunch of friends that are big players in the diesel community and, uh, you know, they're getting indicted. Um, there's guys in lawsuits right now that spent not thousands or hundreds. They've spent multiple millions of dollars and they haven't even been indicted yet. These guys are not playing around right now. And, you know, I'm on a ton of forums. I'm on the Go Fast Life forum. I'm on all these other forums. And, and I'm a quiet guy. I don't post. I don't really have a lot of time to, to have long conversation. I'm usually the guy that says something. And then they're like, well, what was his answer? And I forgot about it. I just disappear. So I just don't post on things. But I watch. And, you know, like these diesel communities, these guys are like, hey, what can I get for a whistling exhaust? And like they're trying to code it like, dude, these guys ain't stupid, man. They know what you're talking about. Just shut up. 
<laughs> and that's the they're on public forums talking about tuning and deleting and dinos like that's that's conversation y'all need to have with yourselves man not on a public forum because if y'all think the epa is not sitting here watching you and you don't think that they have task force sitting around watching all these forums and responding and asking questions to get these shops to come out of the woodwork like yeah i sell that exhaust y'all are crazy because they're there watching and listening yeah. They've raided a number of shops last year, uh, took people to jail, took all their computers, stripped their shop down. It's crazy what they're doing right now. I and mean, kind of scary, man. Um, I did a little bit of tuning here and there. I, you know, I run EFI Live stuff. I run um, uh, the Easy Link stuff. And I don't do none of it anymore. I, I had a computer crash last year. Thank God it did. And I lost probably... 95% of my tunes for everything I've built, and that was it. I washed my hands of it. I'm done. So unless I do something for myself on my particular vehicle, I'm messing with it. It's just not worth it anymore. I don't think it's worth risking your business over something that that small of a market really now. It's not. But, you know, they're smart enough, and we have great tuner systems out there like HP tuners and EasyLink and all this that, you know, if y'all were quiet, you could learn to tune yourself. It's really not an overly difficult process obviously it's easy for me to say because i have a great understanding of how engines work and and electronic systems but you know it it's something that can be learned you know and and i think we're going to get back to those days like we were in the 70s where we were kind of underground doing it for a while until everything relaxed out or something changed but i don't know man i don't know if the stuff's gonna come back after this one it's uh a little wild. Yeah, I mean, my, you know, I, I've been seeing the stuff about it, you know, because so many of the manufacturers go off-road use only, and then the consumer buys it where, you know, some places you got to sign a waiver or whatever, the shops, you know, we'll do this, but you've got to sign this saying it's off-road use. And then we all know that we're not using it for <laughs> right. off-road use. Right. You know, but the EPA has kind of gotten smart to that, you know, and I think that's where they're trying to crack down on all, all of those things for, you know, I don't know if it's really for the, the gas vehicles. Uh, I don't know if there's enough of them out there that's really causing an environmental problem, um, you know, for the, the people wise. that do some... Yeah, you know, I, I mean, because people that are doing exhaust and stuff, yeah, you're having the emissions, but one of the things that I think with so many of the performance people going ethanol is you can run a catless vehicle on ethanol and it'd be just as clean as it was factory. Correct. You know, and Granted, past, past emissions. Good. Right. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean... I don't know, man. It's uh, it, it's just it's too loose. Like once a consumer gets her hands on that stuff, it's kind of up. You know, they kind of can do what they want with it. Now, you know, the thing is, is our fabrication techniques these days and everything else we can do with stuff. I mean, it's pretty crazy. You could probably make a lot of your own stuff these days. Uh, I mean, I'm okay with fabricating. I can make stuff decent, but. Uh, the RPM Act is going to take away your aftermarket stuff that alters your emissions. And, and the thing is, and I don't know the exact wording to it, I don't think it's really... So the RPM Act is a very loose bill right now. 
uh, that they're trying to push through. But basically, it's stating anything that alters the factory um, federal emission system is illegal. And it has been illegal. It's been illegal for 40 years. You're not allowed to touch that stuff. Um, but we do. Um, you know, and I'm just as guilty as everybody else. And I love it. And I love the sport. And I love the industry. I mean, I'm a big... I'm a big motorcycle racer, man, and and they're trying to wrap up motorcycles. A 0.6 liter engine, um, you know, is a big concern for people, and uh, or a one liter engine from a bike is is a big concern for people. You know, I just don't like you said. I don't think there's enough people out there that are just that heavy into it uh, that it would make that much of a difference. Which also brings another problem with the petitions that are running around because do we have enough people to override this? You know, and that's the thing is if you guys want this stuff to go away, you're going to have to get active in Congress and in Senate and you're going to have to sign these petitions and you're just going to have to be vocal about it uh, to maintain your rights on it. And I don't believe the EPA is an entity that should tell us what we should do in our personal lives and with vehicles. I spent... $80,000 on a truck, I'm going to do what I want with it. Right. Um, but there's a big gray area in intellectual property when it comes to that, too. John Deere, for instance, states that you can own the tractor, but you're not allowed to own their software. So if you alter their software, um, you can have a potential lawsuit on your hands. People do it. Um, how would they know unless you took it back to the dealer, I suppose, if you do all your own work? But, I mean, if you got a 9,000 series tractor, I can promise you're probably not doing your own work on that. It's a massive tractor. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's it, it, there is some gray areas in it. But, uh, um, you know, and that's where it comes, like, what is intellectual property like? You know, and it's a big talking subject on tuners as well. You know, tuners lock their tunes. I personally think, I, I agree with both sides. I think that tuners, I, I think a lot of tuners lock their tunes because they're shitty tuners. <laughs> but on the other side of things, there are really good tuners that lock their tunes too. And it's because they've spent thousands of hours or hundreds of hours on a dyno perfecting that particular tune. And that's their intellectual property. And that's how they make their money for their R&D. Um, so, you know, there's, there's two sides to both stories on that stuff for sure. Well, yeah. And like all the, uh, the auto manufacturers now that are getting smarter and locking all their, uh, you know, vehicles from the factory, like the high performance vehicles from the factory. And I guess people are really struggling with unlocking yep. them like the new 2021. I know Camaro, uh, obviously the new vet C8 people are having problems with. You know, and and I I I understand it, um, but if, like you said, if somebody knows what they're doing, they're not really going to mess it up. But I know that right. they just don't want somebody to jack up the car, you know, mess up the car and make them look bad, especially when it's brand new. Because right. first thing they do is go to uh, social media and go on these big rants when really it was just whoever worked on it or whoever yep. you know messed with the tune. Yep, and there's a lot of misunderstanding with that, and unfortunately in the performance industry, there's probably more people that have no business touching tools and cars than there are touching them. Right. So, <laughs> you know, you get people that are pissed off at a tuner for X, X problem, and that tuner probably had nothing to do with that. You know, it was something mechanical in the engine or uh, a poor match of components or whatever it may have been. 
Um, but, you know, those people just don't know any better. I guess you can't be mad at them for it. They're trying to learn. But, you know, calling people out on, on forums is, you know, another thing about that. You know, there's no sense in it. Have a conversation about it. And if you don't understand, educate yourself about it. Right. Um, right. You know, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the L5P in uh, 2017, the L5P Duramax came out. So that's the newest engine. Um, that engine in particular is kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know that Duramax is an Isuzu engine. So it was a combination of Isuzu and GM engineering. Um, they actually engineered that entire platform in six months, Dang. believe it or not. Um, because we had the power stroke, we had all these coming stuff, but GM was way behind on the boat. Um, so they got together with the Suzu, and the way they were able to do that in six months to develop the LB7, which was the first generation Duramax, is um, they, uh, uh, you know, Jap Japan is on a 24-hour opposite schedule as we are, so they would ship engineering plans over there, they would work on them, and then they would ship them. So the, the plan was constantly being worked on 24-7. Uh, in which they were, and that's impressive because it's turned out to be an amazing platform that's been pretty darn reliable, really. Um, but in 17, the L5P GM bought out the rights to it. So it's now 100% General Motors vehicles. So now we're able to use these Duramax as military vehicles. Prior, we were not able to do that because we sourced some of the parts from Japan. Um, so, uh, it's got to all be on our soil, which it is now up in, in Moraine and the D-Max plant. Um, so anyways, in 17, they did that encryption that you guys are talking about with the 2021 Camaros and some of the best tuners in the country were having a really tough time with this. We actually broke it. Um, we were able to get through it. Um, but to tune a standard Duramax, you might be like 2,500 bucks into it between tuners, exhaust and EGR blocks and so forth. Damn. Uh, the L5P will cost you about $10,000 to delete it. Um, so the way that it's, well, it, for those guys, it is because they're charging and people are, are doing it. They're paying for it. You got to remember too, man, a guy that's got a 240SX don't have the same money a dude with <laughs> with a 2021 Duramax has you know they're just stupid expensive vehicles and these guys have you know they have big income typically not all of them most some people live in ridiculous debt but um you know they don't uh they have the money to pay for it and the way that they got around that though is they didn't break the code they removed a piece of hardware inside the ECM so the way you do that is you have to send that ECM to HP tuners. They alter it for $2,500. You get the ECM back altered. Now it's unlocked. So then you have to buy tokens from HP tuners uh, and find a competent tuner to tune it for you on top of all the delete pieces that you can no longer get a hold of. So um, there's a couple of them trickling in the United States. I have no idea who's importing them. Um, I have had a couple friends try to import like exhaust systems and they're stopping them at the Canadian border because it's still legal in Canada. <laughs> right. So um, customs is catching that stuff. So it's, it's going to be harder and harder to get things through. But um, I think it's going to be a thing of the past. But the great thing is, is with electric cars and with the technology we have now, we have stupid, powerful cars right out of the factory now. I mean, we got, we got cars that make 630 horsepower and get 20 miles a gallon. Who would have ever thought 20 years ago we'd be doing that? Yeah. 
that run, you know, well, and what the and some tens, you know, depending on. Oh yeah, yeah. it's insane. The special that's coming out, the Plaid Plus, the Plaid and the Plaid Plus, they're saying the Model S Plaid Plus will be a sub nine second quarter. I 100% believe that, too. They're already close to it turning them up. Right. It's insane, though. I mean, and they're, you know, they're working on the battery power. So I I think that car, they say, is like a 500-mile range. You know, they've got the range up, and it's still able to run sub-nines. Like, that's unreal. For a production car that anybody can, well, not anybody. It's a $150,000 car. (laughs) Right. But, (laughs) you know, but I mean, it. There's going to be a lot of them out there, there you know. Uh, but, you know, insane. the thing is, is a $100,000 car isn't that unusual anymore. That's also crazy. It's really yeah. not. Yeah. I remember <laughs> last time I was at the GM dealership, and I'm walking around, and I'm like, dang, that's 90000 Dang, Cadillac uh, CTSV is 95 you know, depending on options, over ninety. Uh, you look at the new Escalade, it was 95000 I was like, how much after tax? He was like, yeah, probably about 106000 or something like that. I'm like, Jesus, yep. just for, yeah, for you a get a Cadillac? I looked at an Escalade ESV. I'm a big Escalade guy, too, so I'm actually standing next to the mine. But uh, uh, I went and looked at a new ESV. My wife likes them pretty good. And I'm like, well, and they're sexy, sexy vehicles, man. Really, they are. But. Uh, I looked one, you know, and it was nicely loaded. It was, and it was an extended vehicle, but it was one hundred twenty thousand dollars. That's craziness. That's, you know, that's that's how, a little less than half of what I paid for my house. You know, Jesus. And I mean, you got property, so I yeah. mean, granted, you know, that's that's a thing. Like, you know, it's uh, people can buy a house for what they're buying a normal or what should be a normal everyday vehicle that you should, you know, see a decent amount of them out there are damn near the cost of a house. Yeah. Four trucks crested over six figures last year. And if you get a 350 Platinum, I think I saw one when I was looking to replace my other one. I actually, and if people do know me on here, I did go to a Ford dealership and look at a Ford truck. You can make fun of me all you want. But they're nice <laughs> trucks now. <laughs> um, and again, I always say it, they're all pieces of junk. Pick what you like. You know, they're all going to have problems. They're machines, and anybody that walks into them thinking they're not going to have problems is crazy. But uh, you know that that three fifty platinum was one hundred eighteen thousand dollars. Holy crap! It's stupid. And that's why there's a fourteen well, sitting in my driveway now because I'm not I'm not spending that kind of money. And really, the used car market's stupid, and I had a hard time spending that. Yeah, I mean, because that, that's what people are doing because they can't buy the new ones. So now there's so few of the old ones on the market. When they do come up, they're probably ten thousand over what they should be. Yep. The market is super duper inflated right now. Now, cash for clunkers, I know that's a bunch of years ago. We're still seeing effects of that. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that play into it. And then, you know, we are putting crazy technology in it. And, and you know, $70,000 on one of these new diesels, I get it, man. Like, they have more technology than most of any car has by a long shot, really. I get the technology is expensive, 
But, you know, a guy that hot shots and goes out and buys an $80,000 truck to get his business going, like, that that business is eighty k in debt already, and that's probably going to break down before he gets it paid for. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, let's see, my Laramie, my 15, you know, seven-year-old truck, it was $70,000 then. Oh, yeah. This third you know, came mean, with a window sticker, and it was $63,000. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, that's so crazy. I mean, uh, you know, and I didn't really think about it. You know, then I, I got a good discount with who I was working through, and, you, you know, I was definitely making enough money that, like, I wasn't really worried about it. I wanted a nice truck. But, right. you know, I would still kind of look at it after the fact and go, like, I really just paid seventy grand <laughs> for a truck. This like, says the guy that had a Z06. <laughs> uh, true. I, I mean, but I mean, it's still the same way. It's like you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that kind of level car without spending that kind of money. Oh no, dude. You, you, no. you know, I, I, I mean, I still think I bought a used. I, I couldn't really necessarily afford to buy but that car new. Because I mean, it stickered at a, a little over one hundred and five thousand new. Yeah, yep. you, you know, and it's just like holy crap! Like, you know, I wasn't going to pay that because the new cars they they lost so much off the rip. You know, I'm like, I'd rather yep. get one gently used. And I mean, I I got a lot of money off because I I kind of bought it when the market was really falling. Uh, um, no, new New Balance and khaki shorts don't really wear out in, inside of Corvettes. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's crazy. The C7 mark has really gone back up again. Um, I've shipped a couple recently. Uh, these dealers are buying them up. They're, they're literally getting on like Facebook Marketplace and stuff. I talked to a guy in Arizona at a dealer. He's like, "Dude, we're doing everything we can to buy these yeah. C7s now because." The guys that thought they wanted a C8 now are like, nah, never mind. I, I want the C7. So now that market's really gone back up again. Right. Uh, you, you know, they're, oh, I don't want the mid-engine or, oh, I can't tune it. You, you know, there's so many different reasons that, you know. Which they're, is the complete opposite of what I thought was going to happen because I've been hunting for a Z06 for a bunch of years and, uh just haven't found what quite I wanted, and if I did, you know, it just, you know, kids and everything's just not the right time. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would totally have bought one too, Matt. I mean, it's, it's I would probably never buy one of those new because 90% of the people that are buying them new, they ain't beating on them. I mean, they're pretty easily used, like you said, and it's just not really of issue. Uh, and, you, and you get that, that initial loss of money out of the way first. Yeah, and they usually, I mean, like you said, they're not beat on, but heck, a lot of them, especially vet owners, they're, they're probably the worst for it. They put no miles on these vehicles. No, um, never drive them. Like Z01 and, owners, and, I mean, I, somebody had uh, like 13 or 14 the other day, had like 300 miles they were selling. And I'm like, dude, you haven't even touched the daggone <laughs> thing. <laughs> right. I'm a guy that wears out vehicles, man. I, I try to drive everything right. I've got, but you, you just can't buy, you can't buy something like that. For, it, 
I get it, Matt. Like, you know, the money on those and why I'm always hunting for one is because you just, you can't find anything. Um, you, you can't find anything with more performance for the money. You just can't. Right. Yeah. And the, the car was great. I mean, I, I put a lot of miles on my, you know, some of those people would be like, man, I can't believe you're driving that car. I'm like, do you know what I pay a month? I'm driving this car. Right. Like, <laughs> sure. like, you know, I'm get. I bought this car to have fun, not to look at it. I mean, I'll park and go look at it, but I'm gonna drive that thing hard on the way there. Absolutely. You know, like, um, you, you know, I, I've had. Sorry, my headset died on me. Um, I've had that conversation with a lot of people recently. Uh, you know, some of the core people, the guys, you know, I bought this car, I think I'm going to keep my driver. You know, I'm like, well, why wouldn't you drive it? Right. It, it, you know, I mean, especially some of these older guys, uh, you know, it's like, man, enjoy it. Like, well, do you really it, have fun just looking at it? Right. And that's the thing, man. I mean, you spent that money, use it. I mean, I've got a big one-ton truck in my driveway. It pulls a trailer pretty much every time it moves. I've got a low escalator. It gets me to work, you know. And Orly's got a, a Wrangler that we've got a lift and some nice tires and stuff on. We go wheel it occasionally. Like, I try to use my vehicles for their intended purpose. If I had a vet, we're going to the track. We're going to have some fun with it. Um. I don't, I've never understood the people that want to go in, and, and it's in, you know, Matt, as well, as well as anybody here in the motorcycle community, everybody gets these badass bikes, man. And then they want to run to the Quaker stake and we've been staying around and talk about it. And I'm not that guy, man. Like I'm out, let's go do a track day. Let's go race. Let's go do something with it and utilize this thing. I want to hear that thing sing. I want to beat on it. I want to, I want to use it for what I bought it for. And, uh, a lot of people don't do that, and I just like I personally think it's a huge waste of money if you don't. Yeah, I agree, and and I kind of understand both sides because like I was telling Matt, me and Matt were talking about this yesterday, but because um, I come from like the show car community, I did show cars for like eight years or whatever, mm. and then before I even really went to a track at all. But then I went to the track and it was like, oh, okay, this is okay. You know, we would race yeah. on <laughs> on in Mexico every now and then. Uh, so mm -hmm. I would still have fun with the car. But it, like you said, you get some of these guys that come out like twice a year, a couple times, three, four times a year, drive straight to, like you said, the Quaker State and walk around and look at the cars and or bikes, whatever. And then drive it home, put it right in the garage, and it just sits there forever. Yeah, you know, I can't I, do that. I don't. I it's, don't uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people, I will say, so I, and I know Matt knows this, but, uh, you know, when I was really knee-deep in, in the motorcycle stuff, which I still am, but I'm just, I don't show up much to the, any of the events anymore, but uh, I, I instructed uh, for cycle options for many years, as a performance riding uh, track coach. And I don't think a lot of people realize, like even in the motorcycle community, they don't realize those options are available for them. And the thing is, is we can go race in Mexico all we want, but you're going to earn more at the track in one day than you earn in six months of racing in Mexico. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and it's so much safer. 
and you have people there that have the cognitive knowledge and the race experience and and so forth that they can teach you and help you like i there was nothing better than chasing a guy around the track and then jumping in front show him a race line talk about what he's going and watching him drop two three seconds in a day and it's like man you're killing it like this is awesome and then two years later you see him and they're they're racing and and we're an expert or we're a novice and and it's just you know it's it's just something that I guess if you hate money, you should go do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I planned that life. I never understand. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about going back with the Super Duke. Yeah, my money didn't last long. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. It goes fast, man, for sure. Uh, but it was fun. You know, I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't change all the events I went to and everything. Like, it was a blast. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the motorcycle side of things, it's definitely cheaper. Uh, you know, you're buying half as many parts. Uh, you know, the, the cars, obviously, you're going through some of the warehouse. Right. But, I mean, sure. but we have a lot of people out there. I mean, we, we have one thousand, and, you know, a couple of people to get with that. Does, you know, like, we're saying... That's very cheap, really, to get into it. Uh, it is. I mean, the the, the industry uh, on that side of things is cheaper. I mean, you can think, you know, you race, say, and I'm a big Yamaha guy on road race stuff, so R1s, R6s are kind of my gig. But, uh, and I'm a big, I'm a big Euro bike guy. I've got a lot of exotic bikes now. But, um, you know, when we were doing the track day thing and the track thing and the racing, and it's like, I can take an R6 out, and, you know, of course, I have the ability to build my own super stock motors. I can build my own suspension. I can do all of that stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's still expensive to do, and I crack an engine open. I, uh, I build a super stock spec motor, and that motor goes from 11,000 RPM to 16,000 RPM for 20 minutes at a time, six times uh, in a weekend. And you can do that for the entire season and the likelihood of you popping a motor or anything substantial happening other than needing a refresh after a while is pretty minimal. You can't do that with a car or truck. It'll blow up. Um, so the, the, the cheapness of the performance and then at the end of the day to go buy a ten dollars or $15,000 bike that can do 0 to 60 in under 2 seconds, you're not going to find a car to do that either. Right. So they're pretty awesome, but I mean, the cars, the car thing is like the visual of a, a beautiful car, man, a, a ZL1 or a Z06 or a ZR, you know, ZR1, those are, they're just beautiful cars, man. And I just, I, I enjoy, I, at my age now, I enjoy driving around and maybe be, well, giving it the beans a little bit down on the back roads and then just kind of cruising through town or something and, and. I like people looking at my stuff, you know, it's like, it's, that's cool. I have something that grabs your eye, but, uh, I think you, if you buy them, you need to use them. I think you, people need to find a way to get to the track and, and enjoy that. And it's going to make them better riders and drivers at the end of the day too. Yeah. And that's what was so frustrating for me with, uh, as far as last year and with COVID and everything. Cause the first year I had my car, well, I got it at the end of 18. So, or yeah, end of 18. So 19, I went to the track a couple times or the drag strip a couple times. And then I was like, 20 is going to be my year. I'm kind of getting used to the car. Cause I was a little, you know, wasn't quite used to it yet. And I was sure. like, you know, 20 is going to be my year. I'm going to take it to the actual track track. 
you know, like mid-Ohio or something like that. Um, and then like really open it up and really, you know, get used to it and learn and, you know, take as much knowledge as I can. And then obviously all the events, a lot of the events got canceled that I was planning on going to. So that yeah. was kind of frustrating, but I'm glad this year looks like things are starting to open up. And so I'm yeah, excited for, sure. for that because I can't wait to get to the actual track. You and me both, buddy. I've got cabin fever so bad. Now, luckily, I'm a big dirt rider, too. And a lot of the enduro single track stuff really it went away at the very beginning of the season. And all the racing uh, kind of went away. But I can still get out with three, four buddies and go put in 100 miles off-road and single track and, and have a great day. And no one bothers you about it, you know. But if you want a sanctioned event or something, you just couldn't do it. And and, you know, riding with your buddies is super fun, but, you know, I mean, I'm not as competitive as I used to be, but, I mean, I still would like to get, you know, two or three races in a year, and you just, it's, like you said, it's real hard to do, and you feel cooped up when you're used to doing it, and um, it was just a crappy year last year, man. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> <laughs> like, all the car shows got canceled, um, and car yeah. events, like, every single one of them. And, you know, a couple I had money put down for, had hotels. Some of the places didn't want to give money back. That was a, mm -hmm. a headache. And it's just like, man. Oh, yeah. But, Our business lost tremendous amounts of money at that first portion of it. Um, you know, I mean, we're a pretty established business being around for 12 years. We manage our money quite well. You know, we we do what we need to do properly as a business. I don't cut corners on things. I don't, you know, hey, give me cash and I'll kick the tax out i just don't do that stuff anymore i'm too big um and it's just it, it makes your books a mess but you know we sat down at the beginning of covid when it and we were in about five weeks in with pretty much no business and laurel Ian and my wife and i you know we're like what do we do you know should we close down should we call it quits should we plug on till we have no money left and then just figure it out from there or what do we do and you know it's 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 one thing, and, and it was an interesting dynamic with the corporate businesses kind of doing whatever they wanted, and us small businesses pretty much getting shit on. I watched a bunch of my friends' businesses fold up. Yeah. Um, it was a scary time, man, and and uh, my wife and I just got to a point where we said, F it, we're not following any of this crap, man, and, and we plugged on, and we've been plugging on like it's been a normal world, so... Yeah. Um, I just avoid stores. That's all. <laughs> That's right, all I've right. been doing. No, I feel you. I'm the same way. Because um, I was in the fitness industry, you know, at that point in time, and we got hit real hard. We're still getting hit mm -hmm. hard. A lot of gyms yep. closed and stuff like that. But uh, I got some buddies that like have smaller shops, and a lot of them they're just like, man, we're just gonna keep going. And luckily, they've made it through. You know, everybody I know personally has made it through. That was in the God. automotive industry. And like you said, they all, they all had that same conversation. Um, yep. but the good thing is it's starting to turn around, and it seems like everybody really wants to spend money now. So they're all booming a lot of yep. a lot of those. And we picked up. So we picked up in June and had some of our biggest sales numbers through the summer. And then in October, when our wonderful politicians popped back up and said, "Be careful, we're going to have another round," you know, of fucking scare tactics, and um. It just, it fell off again, you know, October, November, December was rough again, and, and we, 
we cut a lot out of our businesses. I got rid of a lot of personal stuff in life. You know, we, we cut down quite a bit. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those hard reminders that we get. And I know, you know, a lot of people that listen to this and stuff are probably younger than us. But, um, you know, back in 08, I was a professional technician, obviously, in, uh, in 07, 08. And we were plugging along like no other man making all the money. And then that housing market popped. And it was like, that was it. I went from making a six-figure paycheck to making, you know, $175 a week, you know, because you, you're flat rate. And if you aren't turning the hours when the cars aren't there, you're just not making money. And that's ultimately what made me start my business. But, uh, you know, it's it. I have a feeling we're probably going to see that again. So hopefully people didn't, didn't forget to back some money back and make sure that they're financially responsible. Right. So, but... You don't know what's going to come to you these days, man. It's it's been an odd world that uh, I don't even know it how sneaks to up it. on you. It does, man. It really does. I mean, everything does when you. And the older you get, the faster it goes, man. I mean, my little girl's five years old, and I can't even believe it. And uh, she's so awesome, and she, she's so much to, fun to play with. And she she can come to the shop and look under a car, and she can name the rack parts. She can name most of the parts under a car, and you know, she's, she's pretty cool, but it went so fast. I remember just, you know, bringing her home in the car and going, looking at my wife going, what do we do now? So, yeah, my daughter just had her birthday. She just turned nine and I'm like, Jesus. And she's like, she's tall. Cause you know, I'm kind of tall, but she's like almost up to my shoulder. And I'm like, goodness gracious. You know? Yep. <laughs> it happens quick, man. Yeah, It happens quick. So, you know, it's like, you know, you look at these cars, you look at all these hobbies we have and all this expensive stuff. And, you know, ultimately, we're always worried about money. I am because I have a family. You do because you have a family. Um, but, you know, we also got to take the time for ourselves mentally and get out and do the things we really love to do, which is, I think, part of the reason that's created a lot of issues in our society since this COVID stuff's come because we don't have that mental outlet. You know, riding is a mental stress reliever for me. There's nothing else in the world that clears my mind like riding with my buddies does. And it's just something that I have to have and that I crave. And I think everybody has that little something in their life, but I think the majority of people couldn't do it because of it. And now we've got this like odd, like can't place your finger on it kind of insanity in our society. And we just don't really know what to do or where to go. Yeah, I mean, because, like I said, obviously fitness is kind of, it was, it was my thing, but then, so I kind of transitioned into the medical industry, and um, we're hearing all these sto these studies being done as far as mental health, and a lot of people are really struggling psychologically because of being cooped up, and that cabin fever is real. Um, for sure. And depression, the numbers have gone up like crazy for a lot of people. Uh, you know, I, I was dealing with the elderly and a lot of them weren't even allowed to leave their rooms. I mean, so like a no. whole year without being able to leave your rooms. Yeah. Gotta be and you can't do that to people, crazy. you know. My wife hasn't seen, seen her Mimi in over a year. She finally, last like a week or two ago, finally got to go hug on her. And they yeah. let her, you know, see each other. And, you know, like her, her grandma's 90, man. Like a year of that, like you don't know if you're even going to see them again. Exactly. And it's just, it's crazy, man. And, and I don't know. I think it was a gross overreaction. 
Um, I know a lot of people will probably disagree with me. Um, I think it's a very real situation that, that should have been dealt with in a very different way. Exactly. And, you know, they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into. And like you said, they were just kind of, they just kind of panicked. It's like, all right, let's well, they shut did, everything but, down. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a, I'll publicly say I'm an anti-government guy, man. I, I was, I worked in the military for many years. Um, uh, you know, it's. One of those things, like, you know, when I got out of the military, I did some overseas stuff, and I was cool for all these years, man, and last year really brought on a lot of mental health issues with me that I realized I had to go see somebody about. I mean, I'll be public about it, because I think there's, I think it's one of those odd things in our society that nobody wants to talk about because it's uncomfortable, Right. and... You know, we got to talk about, we got to figure it out because, you know, I didn't really have a lot of skeletons in my life and uh, it turns out that I have a whole heap of them. But, uh, you know, I mean, and it's cool, it's fine, we'll get it all sorted out, but uh, I think a lot of people choose to ignore it and they go down a really, really bad path and then, you know, ultimately people are sad over it and... It's just something that, like, us as a society refuses to talk about. And then the people that, some of the people that are dealing with these issues have never dealt with it before. And I don't think that they are really accepting that they're having mental hardships. Right. And there's nothing wrong with having a mental hardship. That's the thing. But our society has plagued us that you have any mental hardships in your life that, you're unfit for this or that. And it's just simply not the truth. I mean, I know so many business owners that have multi-million dollar companies that have just dealt with tons of depression, tons of anxiety. Um, it, it, most of the people I know that go and see therapists are business owners. Right. No, <laughs> it's, it's stressful, you know, but it, at the same time, you know, to, to lead people and to make sure that your team's happy and that you make a blissful workplace you have to start with yourself and make sure that you're squared up. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of times the business owners also are so secluded, really, so they don't have the outlet. You, sure. you know, a lot of times, I, I, I mean, that's what I see is a lot of times the guys kind of hide everything, you know, uh, to try well, to balance to. it all. Right. You don't have time for it, man. It's like, you know, when, so I've had a massive staffing issue this year, and uh, a lot of people in my industry say that we have a tech shortage. I disagree with them. I believe we have a, a shortage of professionals. Um, I don't think we have a shortage of mechanics. We have a, a shortage of professional technicians, and there is a difference between a mechanic and a technician. Um, but it's just like... This year, because of my shortages and because people were unhappy mentally and we just had a huge shift around with my staffing, and at one point I had one technician in me and a service rider. And to give you an idea, if you don't know about my shop, it's a 12,000 square foot 14 bay shop. It is not a small shop. We don't do a lot of small volume. Um, and we're not the biggest shop. We don't do the most volume either, but... You got two technicians in the back. One is a little greener, you know, so you got to help him occasionally. And, and he was pretty much squared away. But, uh, you know, I'm going in at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm leaving at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night every day, seven days a week. 
and people have no idea what it takes in a small business to keep it floating when shit hits a fan. And mentally, it's just insane. It's just, it's hard to, it's hard to accept it as, as an owner. You're just like, even the most, most people that persevere over anything would be like, I'm done with this. This is too much. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I say, like, I know a lot of that, and that's why I appreciate, you know, a lot of the things you're doing and giving us some time to come on and, and have these conversations and things. Because, I mean, for, for Devin and I, part of the reason we do it is it's one of our outlets. Sure. You, you know, so it, it's a good thing. We enjoy it. Um, it's it's awesome talking to people like yourself. Um, you know, we, we sometimes we don't take the time. You know, I mean, we've been friends for a while. It's just we're both so busy um, yep. so often, so it's hard to actually spend some time doing stuff. And, I mean, when do we really have the time? So Exactly. So, you know, I, I definitely appreciate you giving us the time. I mean, it's been... Well, yeah, uh, I appreciate you guys having me. You know, it's uh, it's great having the stuff. But, I mean, I, we've talked about a lot and got some great info from you, I think, if people really listen to this episode through, if you don't learn something, you weren't listening. You know, I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go, holy crap, I didn't know that, you know, right. um, with a lot of stuff. And that's and that's what we want with this podcast, I think, to, to reach out to a lot of people like yourself and, and get some of that inside, behind-the-scenes knowledge or just learn some stuff about some people that, you know, people wouldn't know all those things about you because, you know, you're so busy all the time. I mean, you don't have time to, to really get it out or, or the people are also so busy. But I think mm-hmm. the podcast side of things are getting a little bit better uh, because, you know, people listen to them maybe on their way to work or something like that, you know. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the episode does well and a lot of people uh, enjoy, um, and learn something and, you know, maybe entertained a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, we've got to be entertained as well. For uh, sure. But, but yeah. uh, yeah, go ahead. Devin. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, maybe I, it sounds like there's probably a whole, whole lot that we probably even, you know, didn't really have a whole lot of time to get into. And it sounds like you have a lot of really great stories and I'm sure there's so much more that we could talk about. And maybe, you know, we do a future episode if that's something that you're interested in, um, you know, sometime yeah, down for in the sure. future. And then we Just hit me up. I mean, I'm not a hard dude to find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, pretty much know where you're at, like you said, uh, pretty much every day, all day. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, we can reach out. It's, you know, it's cool. The with everything changes, you know, there might be a big topic you know, with, with what was going on, that's one of the reasons why I want to talk to you, because I, I felt, you know, the topics that we talked about that you would have really good knowledge about. And I think I was right, you know. Um, you know, I, I learned some stuff. We got some really good information out of it, and that's, you know, what we're trying to, to do. And, I, I mean, I, I'm definitely happy to, to have you on. Um, you know, I... Uh, I don't know. I don't really know uh, what else we do. I mean, if we keep uh, adding things to talk about, I mean, we might be here for three hours. Uh, I think we all probably have a little bit more to do, you know. But, um, again, man, I, I, 
I appreciate your time. Do you got anything closing out, Devin, that, uh, I mean, you want to say? Or? What? What do you mean? Like what? Just, I mean, a question real quick that we might have missed or just anything. I mean, um, no questions. No, I think we did pretty good. And like I said, you know, being able to talk in the future, I think would be pretty good as well. Cause like I said, he seems really interesting. Uh, Eric's really interesting. And I know there's probably a million stories as always is with all of us car people, probably a lot of things we even forget about and sure. we don't remember. Um, but yeah. Absolutely. So anything, anything you got Eric to close out? I mean, that we might not have touched that you want people to know about or, um, really, I mean, you know, the, the people that, that listen, um, you know, it's, if you're do some educational stuff, this stuff's good. A lot of people don't realize what's happening in their communities. And, you know, this this allows them to uh, get knowledgeable about it. Get get online and do your research and don't read one source, read multiple sources, make your best judgment on it and educate yourself so we can beat this government entity that wants to take our our freedoms of our hobbies away i think that uh that was a pretty good one uh yeah. you know all right so devin's not going to get away with this you might not know but he is as we like to call the bar slayer uh you know he's a amateur rapper um <laughs> you know we like to say um Oh, well, okay, professional. I, I took it a little lightly. That's my bad. Um, uh, you know, so at the end of every episode, I kind of like to put him on the spot. And do you have any bars for us? Uh, I guess. <laughs> All right. Let me turn my mic up or turn my, uh, my music up in my headphones. Y'all can't, I don't want us to get demonetized so y'all can't hear this. Um, let's see. All right. You're getting mad trying to fix your car and you can't stand it. Maybe you've got to get to work and you're starting to panic. Don't worry. Just take it to Schmidt Auto Care. They're great mechanics. Bars. Three of them. Oh, and it was on point. I like it. You know, there I don't think is. we've done that. <laughs> yeah, man, you, you can't have any other way, man. Hey, again, great having you on. Uh, appreciate the time. Always great, uh, you know, to do this. And, uh, man, I, I guess for Go Fast Life, that's it. We're awesome, out of here. Well, thank you, sir. So, hey, right. thank you. We're out. All right.